Pro Talk with ProTech, digging deep to learn the stories, lessons, and accomplishments of experts in the real estate industry. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Today, we get to meet top real estate agent Sam Lynn with Arla Real Estate. It's so nice to meet you, Sam. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of get things started, let's hear a little bit more about you. How long have you been in the real estate industry? So full time, I've been in real estate for about six years. And then I was kind of playing around with that two years prior. So total of six and plus some part time work before that. So um, before I was in real estate, I was uh, in healthcare and in, in the technology sector. So I know a lot of people who are using Zoom. I know we are on Zoom right now. I was actually debating whether to join Zoom um, back then. And so I have all the t-shirts, everything that they sent me. So it was really strange to see how Zoom became like a well-known name now that, even though that's in my past, but it was just really strange that everything just come back to full circle. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So you can do Zoom while wearing your Zoom gear is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I still have t-shirts that sometimes I wear unknown to myself and I would just wear out. They said, I do work for Zoom. And I was like, oh, this was from eight years ago, whatever the case may be back then when they were still a small company. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So what made you switch from healthcare um, to being a real estate agent? Tell me your story there. So definitely I didn't just tripped and got into it. Um, it was something that when I met my now wife, um, who is a loan officer, and it was during on weekends where she was working with a lot of agents, right? Um, and there were certain times when the agents were just really, really busy. And, and honestly, some of the tasks that should be up for the uh, for the agents to do, she, uh, they sometimes let her do some of that. And so she wanted my help to do something with that. So she asked me if I could just get a license and just help her out on the weekends because I still have a full-time job on weekdays. And so I told her that the only way I would consider is if I take the test and I pass it the first time, if I don't pass it, then it's not meant to be and I don't want to do it. And so unfortunately and unfortunately, I passed the test on the first try and then she started to ask me about Virginia and DC. So that was Maryland license. And I told her the exact same deal. If I pass it the first time, I'll help you. If I don't, I won't. And uh, and then after I passed, then the rest is history. Yeah, all your stars aligned all at once. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so why Arla? Why did you decide to join the team? So I was bounced around a couple of different places. Um, I started out with Law and Foster, um, really great uh, establishment. Um, they did a lot of good training there. And then um, because I moved across town, so the office that I belonged to wasn't really that close to me anymore. And so that opened up a, uh, a you know, the different possibilities of big brokerages, small brokerages. And back then I was still small, um, not very experienced. So I was definitely looking for folks who have that desire to not only take what the traditional approaches to real estate, but also have that desire to take the new things that we take for granted now, you know, the social media stuff. So they were one of the first brokerages to really go into video before a lot of the big brokerages now become more of a standard um, 3D tour floor plans. A lot of these technologies, which 
really resonate with me from my previous background, I, I realized that a lot of people are really high energy about taking and keeping the traditional approach while adding a lot of the new cutting edge technology approach. So once I met with Jason and Justin um, many, many years ago, um, I really got that nice level of them and seeing their vision, what they're, they've done so far and what they're planning on doing. And really out of all the other conversation I've had with other brokerages, they were the only ones that I felt a really good fit, not only geographically, but also in terms of what their vision is and for my own vision as a real estate agent. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So it must be you took kind of your uh, technological experience from your last position and kind of applied it into the real estate industry. And Arla just seemed to be the right fit because, you know, they're modern, they're staying ahead of their times, they're always jumping on to the next trend in technology. Um, so Going off of that, um, you know, real estate requires a lot of social relationships, communications, and there's a ton of different moving pieces. But what would you say would be your favorite and least favorite thing about the industry? Obviously, technology is one of your your higher end favorite things. Um, but what would you say would be your favorite and least favorite thing? Right. Um, I think my favorite thing, I think you have to like people to a certain aspect to be an agent. You have to be able to meet people. Um, even before COVID and during COVID and post COVID, I mean, we're going to have to establish that. I definitely is not an introvert uh, or extrovert to um, to begin with. And so even though once I'm in my own arena, I'm making sure that when I'm in the technology seminars, when I was doing talks back in the days, if it was a topic that I know a lot about, then I'm very, very comfortable with public speaking. And so real estate in the first two, I would say two and a half years, I was very hesitant about going to a lot of networking seminars, even going to open houses. I was very, very nervous, which probably is the case for a lot of people. Um, but I think after a while, you're starting to get what what real estate is about and establishing those relationships, even if it's, you know, purchase one house, selling one house, rental, um, even if people just asking questions about the community, I think there's that certain level of um, bond between folks, however long and short uh, it is. So I think my favorite thing is the amount of people that you meet, um, even during open houses in the beginning when I was a new agent, um, meeting people, even just talking about it, even if they're not interested in the house that I was showing, um, there's always something new and something interesting about each person. And even if that's not directly tied to um the sale of the property then i think i just learned a little bit more about the even just the demographic of the people who are purchasing in that area um what they're looking for and you know what they look for for what i look for personally is always something a little bit different and so i think the favorite part is really the diverse number of people that if you want to be a successful agent not only do you have to work well with other agents who speak the language you have to work well with home inspectors, right? Um, you have to work well with appraisers. Sometimes you do have that um, that level of trust as well as everybody else from, um, even from rental, it's the same thing. But I think on the other side, the least favorite part of that is, I mean, of all the people that you're gonna meet, you're definitely gonna hit some bumps around the, along the road. Some people who might have told you something um, in the beginning might have changed their mind or not tell you about it, not be upfront about it, or if they have an agenda that is not, you know, 
not really that great. And so I think there are certain things there that you always want to be a little bit more protective of, let's say, your own client's interests, your own interests and things like that. So I can understand that, um, especially working with other agents, um, there are some really, really, really good ones. And there are some ones that are, I think, a little bit more defensive because they've hit those bumps along the road. And I know for myself in the beginning, because I was inexperienced, um, I don't always recognize that very quickly. And so after meeting a lot of these folks, whether it's clients and potential clients and agents, um, you start to get better at it. But it's always a work in progress. Um, I don't profess that every client is a great fit for myself and every agent is going to be a great person to work with. But sometimes if you can kind of separate their personal feelings with the business feelings, I think that's a key right there. Um, of course, I put my client's interests in place. If my client is really interested in the property with an agent who is rather nasty or unprofessional about certain things, then I have other ways to get my message across without making it more of a confrontational. So I think now I'm in a nice, comfortable place where I'm able to use different ways to manage that. But I would say that that's always going to be part of the you know, the industry, the number of people that you meet, undoubtedly, it's not everyone's going to be a great fit with you conversationally or in a business sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of an important approach too. is, you know, kind of you're building relationships with not just, you know, people who may be interested in buying or selling with you, but also other real estate uh, agents in the industry and just kind of keeping an open mind to, you know, the way that they do business might not be the same as the way that you do business. Um, have you, have you found yourself in a position, you know, where you, where you've had to, you know, kind of lay down the law in a situation with an agent? You definitely have to draw the line at some point. Um, there's a lot of things that can be said on the phone. Obviously, we don't record our phone calls. Um, some people would prefer not to do emails or texts. And so a lot of things that are saying verbally, you know, whether it's true or not, I think as agent and as an experienced agent now, a lot of times you just got to put that in writing. You know, you just got to go back to the basics. Um, but I think a lot of you can also kind of read between the lines. Um, agent is really a representative of the client. And so the agent could be speaking out of terms. They could be speaking for the client. So a lot of times you kind of just have to wait and see what the action, what they take really rep will really back up their words. So a lot of times we'll have agents who are verbally OK with certain terms of the deal, for example, and then comes, you know, an hour later and say, oh, you know what, my client just wasn't going to go for it. I really thought they did. So I think there's a lot of times that, you know, for, for myself and for my clients, I always try to manage expectations. You know, I always give them that, you know, they're verbally agreed, but we will need to wait for something in writing to make sure that they're going to follow through on that. And I think most folks get that. And so I try to put a lot of those potential red flags in there, not to discourage my clients, but really just to make sure they're not completely caught by surprise. And so um, I think that's that's definitely really important. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of keeping that paper trail. So, you know, you know, their word is great, but you also, you know, need that in writing for contract sakes um, and things like that. If there was something you could change about the real estate industry, what would it be and why? Um, so I know this question. Um, it's something that I've been thinking about for quite a bit. Um, 
I would go to a lot of seminars online, especially now it's a lot easier to go on a lot of these seminars. Um, and I'd always talk about the future of real estate. And I see a lot of different brokerages trying to do different things that are, you know, um, industry changing. So, um, you know, I know many, many years ago, Redfin was one of the few that was really transparent about what they give back to, you know, the buyers, sellers, whatever the case may be. They really put a lot of those numbers in front of people. And I think part of that makes it a little bit difficult for us as agents. And I know I'm going to get some pushbacks for some folks, but we're one of the few industries that have our commission right up in front. When you sign a buyer agreement, whether you sign a listing agreement, a lot of that is put on there and you really don't know how much the agent's going to do for you. Um, you know, compared to a home inspection, you know, service or any, you know, even something, uh, an auto dealership working on your car, you know, when they give you a quote, exactly how much they're going to charge a plumber going to charge what the HVAC technician is going to charge, you know, exactly how much they're going to do, you know, how much exactly materials they're going to use, how much time they're going to put in, and so a lot of times you're more acceptable or I think most people would be acceptable to a plumber's quote or electrician quote, knowing that they have to get the panels, they have to get the, the different screws and the, the different circuit breakers. So it makes more sense for agents. I think it's a little bit harder for us to demonstrate our value ahead of time, not knowing what the journey is going to look like. Right. So a lot of times we defend our commission a lot of times based on our previous successes, based on what we can bring to the table. Um, we try to forecast exactly how much time we're going to have to put in. So I'll give you a good example. So when I have a conversation with um, a client who a potential client who wants to talk about commission and they say, hey, I'm going to be a very easy buyer. I'm going to be I make my decision very quickly. I only look at houses that I'm seriously interested in. So I'm not going to waste your time on that. And then home inspection, no problem. You, you just give me your recommendation. I'm going to go ahead with that. And my solid, you know, financing, everything's good to go. Now, the first two or three years um, working in real estate, I will tell you that I definitely believe some of them and say, you know what, this person, they, they said, it's just not going to be, it's going to be a very easy road. And I'll tell you, um, after how many transactions, 60, 70, 80, a hundred transactions now, um, that is definitely almost never the case. And so not to say that every client is going to take a really long time, but I think the different number of variables that it takes from purchasing a house or selling a house, I think there's a lot of variables in there that for a lot of folks, they just don't realize, um, for a lot of people who look for agents, interview agents, they go on the internet, they love these quick top 10 lists of questions to ask people, right? Top 10 things you should ask an agent when you interview them, top 10 things you should know and things like that. They try to break down into these very simple, quick checklists. I wish it was that simple. Um, that would make my job a lot easier if I can do everything off of the checklist. Um, traditionally, that's always been how real estate agents are trained with checklists, right? Um, exactly what you need to do, what kind of paperwork to prepare, and then you do this and do that. But reality, every client is gonna be a little bit different. Um, every client, there are difficulties. Um, 
Yeah, the, the, I had a one recent client who I thought was going to be the decision maker of the whole process. We, we, we take a look at a couple houses. And then after we spent a good couple weeks time looking at houses, then suddenly the mother-in-law came into the picture and she ultimately was the decision maker. And so she didn't really look at any of the houses prior. So I wasn't really sure how efficient we were using our time. And obviously a lot of that first two and a half weeks of time were essentially wasted. Um, and so I think there's a lot of variables at play that really makes it difficult for the real estate industry in general. And I think that's going to continue in the future because people are used to knowing how much real estate agents make. They may not know all the backend stuff. Um, I, I love these podcasts that you're doing so that we can kind of talk a little bit about this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, HGTV certainly didn't help. Um, <laughs> million dollar listings, you know, a lot of those shows. I've seen them, you know, when I go to LA Fitness and I, I look through those episodes because I imagine if life was that easy as a real estate agent, then everyone would be a millionaire. Everyone would be the million dollar listings. But in reality, you know, anybody who's in the industry will tell you that it's such a difficult um, industry where a lot of things can change at a wind's notice. And when you put your commission on what your value is ahead of that without knowing what that journey is, I think that is really a problematic. So I wish circling back, you know, I wish, you know, one thing that we can change about real estate industries, keep it simple, just like any other you know, um, you can give a range. You can say how much, you know, hours you've spent. Um, mm -hmm. You can charge by the hour. I mean, we talk about attorneys making 60, 100, $500, $1,000 an hour, and they always give you kind of an estimate range. So I kind of wish that for the real estate industry, that's something that we can talk about where we don't always have to put our value in front and determine that and then figure out what the journey is going to be like after the fact. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And that's a great point too, you know, um, especially in this day and age, you know, we've had to pivot a lot with COVID and everything and people, some people realize that this wasn't the industry that they could be in, um, during a pandemic. Um, and so for you, what would you say, um, how are you managing through COVID? What would you say would be something that you've done to kind of manage through and kind of persevere? So, um, I think part of that, uh, joining the Arla uh, many, many years ago has kind of prepared us in that a lot of our team meetings, a lot of uh, seminars, training, training seminars that we do, that we get together, a lot of that is through um, Facebook, a lot of that's through Zoom and phone call and team meetings and, you know, video calls because we were all busy. There's no way we can realistically always be physically in the same place. Um, of course, I definitely miss those um, physical meetings, um, definitely would want those to come back. But I think being in a brokerage like Arla kind of helped me to prepare a lot of my clients as well, um, who even if they're not technology savvy, I'm able to kind of give them some tools about how to better view um, potential houses on the market or um, certain data that are visually uh, that makes sense instead of just throwing a whole bunch of, you know, numbers at them and expect them to kind of sort through it. So I think from a technology standpoint, um, we're able to leverage what Arla is already doing 
And thankfully, um, I have the background to uh, take advantage of that. So anytime that when we have a new technology product, um, honestly, after one seminar, or I can just go through the PowerPoint to play around with the software, it's fairly easy to use. Um, but also, I think it also makes it difficult because a lot of these technology tools are brand new to real estate. Um, I'm sure you know um, in real estate, just like healthcare when I, where I was in, the technology is really behind the rest of other industries. Um, I still remember when I first started, um, it was uh, Matrix and um, MRS and the I looked at the backing of that technology. I was like, why does this look feel like when I was back in high school? I don't want to age, you know, put a number to my age right now. But um, I, I remember building the code for that type of database. And that is definitely 15, 20 years um, too late. And now that I'm seeing a lot of these new technologies on helping buyers and sellers and agents alike with during COVID, there's a lot of work in progress, a lot of work remaining. Um, even some of the new tools that Arla and myself use, there's a lot of limitations to that. And so I think it's been good in terms of letting the clients feel a little more comfortable. Not only if they have to work from home, they have to utilize these technologies for their own job. Um, so that they're looking at houses or they're selling their house is no different. Um, so I think ain't being able to leverage that really helped with COVID, but conversely, because in the uh, real estate technology is so behind, even with a lot of these tools that I'm using right now, I have to use at least a combination of three or four tools to get really the end product of what I want to the client. And so sometimes it's just easier, you know, but before COVID to just show the house or, present something in person and show them something physical a lot easier than going through a zoom meeting or, you know, even however pretty the graphic is, you know, sometimes they just felt like they missed that person interaction. So what I've been doing since COVID is um, I've been having these socially distanced uh, meeting in person. So um, thankfully conference rooms are not really getting booked up right now. So I can easily get a conference room and be able to keep six feet away from the other person and have plenty of space inside that, that, um, that, that conference room and still be able to present that. So I think just being able to take what the COVID has provided us is, that's, is something that's outside of our control. And so we're just going to have to make the best of it. And um, yeah, so far so good. Absolutely. What are, what are some of the tools that you feel like have really gotten you through um, some of these times in the last oh, however many months it's been, it seems like forever? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'll tell you, even Zoom meeting, which seems to be a pretty uh, easy tool for a lot of folks, um, it's not that easy. Teaching some folks to turn on their camera, to do document sharing, which I'm, I'm sure you've done, you know, some coaching of that. Um, getting the microphone to work. Um, if they do that off of their phone, you're talking, you know, iPhone versus Android and anything in between. And so I think even just the troubleshooting part of it has made it a lot more difficult. But for me, um, 
I've been using a lot more of the 3D tours than I've ever before. And so I would actually run the 3D tour on, on the uh, live video meeting and then talk that through with the client. I've always in the past sent that link over to a client and just have them look at it, but not being able to see them that easily in person and then not being able to show them as easily with, you know, with appointments being a little bit harder to work around with kids not having daycare or babysitter right now. So a lot of parents can't really leave the house. Um, so I think really leveraging 3D tour with kind of a guided tour, I think made, made a big difference. Um, we've been using Real Scout as another tool, which has a little bit of a better visual aspect to viewing homes, kind of like how Zillow have been doing. Mm -hmm. So I think um, we're really trying to take some of the strength from some of the other websites and technologies to try to make our own. So Real Scout has really been helping us on that front. HomeSnap, I know that is the uh, another go-to for a lot of folks. I know they spend a lot of energy and training on getting agents to up to speed on that. So I've also been using the HomeSnap portal to show a lot of my clients on the new tools on looking at houses, not just the traditional sense from Redfin, Zillow, or any other traditional uh, consumer portals. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And just out of curiosity, the 3D virtual tours, do you, have you found uh, a lot of good feedback from that? How do, how are people dealing with that? So the best way to do it is definitely in person in the conference room. I always try to save that if I can get a in-person meeting with them um, because just being able to show them or if they have a question about certain layout and if there's any things that they want to change interior wise, they can point it out and really just get to that dining room or that kitchen to that certain angle and then really show me what they're talking about. So, you know, you can do as much as you can through pictures, but 3D tour like giving you that adjustment of angles and perspective on how far away things are from each other, um, what are the hallway and, you know, can accommodate something like that. So I think a lot of those really comes down to um, like the floor plan will get, uh, from the 3D plan kind of give you measurements. So that also help out with a lot of the room measurements and them being their own house. I would usually ask them to take a tape measure when we meet and then let them imagine how big the kitchen counter is going to be or how much room there's going to be for other things that they want to do. So, you know, we're getting by. Um, it takes a while for that learning curve for the clients and for us. Um, but, um, but definitely 3D tour has been helpful. But for listings that don't have 3D tours, then a lot of times in the beginning, when back in March and April, when we first hit, like of a lot of agents, I was touring the home with the Zoom call, right? Right now, you can see that you can actually um, book like a video tour for a lot of these listings by default. And so I've been doing that. And then they were asking questions as I was live in person in the house. But I think that is a little bit harder because, you know, you use cellular connections. The definition is not the greatest. Some like even the color of the house interior wall is not going to portray accurately compared to if you see it in person. So thankfully right now for most of DC, DC, Maryland and Virginia, 
you can go into a lot of these houses privately, you know, one group at a time to see it for yourself. But uh, the 3D tour, you know, it looks like more and more agents are doing it as part of the package, which is nice. And then um, obviously in Montgomery County, which is what I specialize in along with other places, um, our home prices are one of the highest in the area. And so that definitely gives some um, incentive for agents to also spend money on 3D tours. It's also much, you know, more you know, affordable now compared to what it was six, seven, eight years ago. I remember one of those cameras used to cost fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, and now you can get one. A bit, it's not the same quality. You can get one for three, four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Obviously, nothing replaces you know seeing a home in person, but it does sound like um, it is a pretty you know good tool to be able, like you said, to do the measurements and be able to act like you're standing in the room and be able to see the full three sixty view. Um, if I'm thinking about buying a home or selling a home, what are some of the things that I need to know before making that decision? I think just knowing what the market is right now and how it could change in the near future. Um, I, I always circle back to managing expectations and letting people know that when they're buying a home right now, it a lot of folks are going to trade notes with each other in terms of friends, families, relatives. And I think that's where a lot of people get their new source from you know if somebody bought a house somewhere in alexandria they're going to share their experience buying alexandria and then they automatically think that's going to be the case in let's say rockville well that's not not always the case and even the differences between condos and townhouses and single family homes that makes a big difference Um, the price point makes a very big difference as well um, a lot of data supports that, but when, as as agents who, uh, like myself, who look at this every day, um, is definitely um, different than what it was before. There's definitely a lot more hot areas now than compared to before, just because of the inventory. Um, so from buying a home, it really depends on where you're looking at. There are certain areas in Montgomery County that's really not that competitive, and but it's just not sought after. And so it really depends on what you're looking for. Um, a good example is I had a client who relocated from North Carolina. This was back in October of last year. And for most of my relocation clients, a lot of them look for the same thing. They want a good school district. They want open flow plan. Um, for North Carolina, for that particular client, um, I was able to kind of see where they're living now. And what their expectations would be um, compared them versus my uh, Florida clients, their house over there versus North Carolina and then coming over to Maryland. It's a cultural shock in terms of what's available here and what the prices are. And so being able to kind of fit their lifestyle into Montgomery County, for example, um, they were able to secure a really wonderful home in Poolsville that honestly, a lot of people pass on, but they were able to get, you know, almost two acres, um, brand new home, one of the best school district in the area. And even for their commute, once I show them what their commute would be to work, uh, of course, this was hopefully post COVID, um, it would be less than 15 minutes. So it was a no brainer for them to be able to be competitive in terms of getting a really, really good value from the house 
versus if you want something right in the Ravel Town Center, that would be a lot more difficult if it's something that is sought after with low inventory. So I think as buyers or sellers, you just have to understand that the variables are still there. Um, the market is changed, but that doesn't make it any different than before where a house down the street versus your house could be totally different. You might have access to park. You might be right next to a really busy street. A lot of those factors are always going to be in play. And so, um, so yeah, a lot of these things you just have to take into consideration. That's kind of why you want an experienced agent to help you realize that. Whereas if you're selling your own home, I know when I sold my first home um, myself uh, 12 years ago, my mindset was definitely not the same as agents. What they're looking for and how they're going to get the maximum price is definitely a lot different than what the homeowner is. So definitely if they were looking to buy or sell the home right now, you have to realize all the different variables at play that could potentially impact the price of the home that you're going to buy or sell. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And what is your approach to kind of setting these expectations? How do you go into a deal and say, you know, these are some great ideas that you're bringing to the table, but have you considered this? Yeah. So manage the, I think bec because there's such a low inventory for a lot of the popular areas, um, I think most agents will tell you and most buyers will tell you that it's a difficult time to purchase. Um, and it's definitely the case. But if you look at some of the different sectors, um, I'll, I'll tell you, like in Germantown, townhouses is not that competitive, but single family homes are. It's just because the price point, you know, if you can get something in a $450,000, $500,000 range for a single family home, for a lot of people, if for the median income in Germantown, they're able to afford that. So they're willing to wait out for something like that. Whereas townhouses, you're, you're looking at three fifty, dollars maybe $400,000 homes. Um, I dare, and there's also a lot more of those, right? You can build a lot more townhomes than you can single family homes. So of course the inventory over there, even if it's, you know, smaller than what it was before, you're still able to find something there without going after it. So I think it really comes down to what the person is looking for and what their criteria is, what their deal breakers are and understanding what all those things come into play. And Ultimately, what, why most people buy a house or whatever they do, there's always one thing that stands out for them, whether it's the layout, whether it's the kitchen, whether it's the neighborhood, whether it's, you know, being so close to work, there's always one thing that stands out. So every time I talk to a new client and even my existing client, you know, you ask them what you're looking for. They always give you a good list you know, school, school district, close to work, and all these factors that are almost the same for everybody. I don't think I've ever had a client who purposely want a bad school district. I don't think I've ever had that. Like, you know what, Sam, I want something in like one or two out of 10, you know, as low as you can get me down there. I've just never heard of that. And so when I hear these lists from clients, I have to really dive in a little bit more. Uh, and when you dive in a little bit more, you find out a lot more of what they're looking for. Um, I have clients who want a good school district, but what they really want is a very particular immersion language program that they want to be in. And even and that 
itself is a huge factor than just a general concept of a good school district. So I think being able to manage expectation is, okay, now that we know how wide or narrow your scope is and looking at what the existing inventory is going to look like and forecasting what the next three months, what the inventory is going to look like, it could take a couple months of search or it could take you know a couple of weeks of search. So it all depends. So being able to manage that and then finding out, well, I've been looking at a house for two weeks and not knowing how long I should be looking, I think sometimes you want to make sure that they're on the right track. So if I tell them that it's going to be a couple of weeks, they're not going to panic or be emotional about buying a house that might not be the best fit. They, you know, they're, they're able to kind of look at this in a nice, calm way versus, oh, should I buy this? I don't know if I'm going to have another chance to buy another house in the next week or two and so forth. So depending on the scope of what they're looking for, and really it's my job to figure it out, um, what that scope look like, um, and then trying to manage that in the open market. And I've had clients who it's been looking for two years now and have clients who bought the first house that we saw. So it's anywhere in between. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of setting those expectations, asking what, you know, your non-negotiables are, and then finding the home that kind of fits in that range. Mm -hmm. um, so I know we've talked a little bit about what the current market is like, but what are some of the trends you've been seeing um, in 2020 and now going into 2021? Well, definitely, um, even at, I think during the COVID time, March, April, May was definitely slow. And then suddenly, Everyone came out of woodwork at the same time, realizing that we can manage COVID mm -hmm. with a certain way and we can still have some sort of normalcy to life. People still have to move. So people still have to buy houses and people still have to sell houses. So that hasn't changed. But the trend has been, um, you know, one of the main reasons for inventory being so low is people are not on the move, right? They're uncertain whether if they sell their house, where are they going to buy their next house? Mm -hmm. And so... A lot of those circumstances, you know, um, before COVID, I was doing a lot of re relocation clients, corporate clients who are moving from, you know, one lab to another or another research center to another. Well, right now is not the time for those folks to be moving when you can stay put, stay safe. And, and plus, you know, any of these things, um, you're going to have to be out and open. If you have compromised immune system, you're, yeah. This is not not the time for you to be out and be in strangers' houses. A lot of these houses could be owner-occupied. And however safe that you want to be, you wear gloves, wear do sanitizers, face masks. There's always that risk of exposure. doesn't matter where it could be coming from. So you could be in your car, you know, after the gloves are off, rubbing your nose. It could just be as easy as that. So I think... Because of COVID and obviously um, how that impacts the real estate, um, definitely a lot more people are more careful, but you also have people who are ultraly aggressive, right? Any agents, experienced agents will tell you being in a multiple offer situation right now is the norm. Mm -hmm. If you don't have three or four offers at least for a property, then there's something wrong with it. So it's really kind of a change of mentality at this point for, for us during this time. But especially during COVID, um, we're focusing a lot more of the differences as well. 
So I think um, some of that would be blown out of proportion. Like I said, there are some communities in uh, Montgomery County and other places that are sitting on the market 100, 200 days, not being moved. So mm -hmm. I think we do tend to um, recognize and pay attention to the differences, um, the trends that are happening during COVID. But ultimately, I think we always kind of want to go back to normalcy at some point. And I think that's what we'll eventually get back to with the vaccines and people being able to accept certain risks. Um, so it's not just real estate, right? Your everyday life, when even going to grocery store to buy food, going to restaurants, even to get takeouts, any of those things have that exposure. So I don't anticipate the human race will ever say you can't go on a vacation anymore to visit another country, another state, which would be very, very sad. But um, I don't think we'll ever, you know, take that away just because of something that I think as humankind, you know, when we do the amount of research that we can with a lot of brain power behind it, with the entire world really working on the problem, I think we'll figure our way to adjust like we have done in the past. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And it's obviously no secret, you know, that the interest rates are are lower than they've been in quite some time. Um, what are your predictions for the 2021 market? Do you think it will kind of continue the way it has been or how do you see it changing? So I'd like to look at the stock market as one indicator for what the 2021 market is going to look like, um, especially for the DC metro area. I always like to also look at what the West Coast is doing. Um, it seems to be a good indicator of what's going on over there will eventually become what's happening here. So I always kind of look at that and see what the 2021 market is going to look like. Um, I think the interest rate is going to keep on being this low. Um, economy recovery is going to take some time. The amount of time it's going to take for the vaccine to distribute and then having the business framework for everybody to recover and so forth is going to take months if not the entire year of 2021 to do that. So with the new administration coming in, I think the stimulus money is going to continue to pour in. Um, movie theaters, travel industry, a lot of these other folks who are going to continue to struggle in 2021 are going to need those bailouts, stimulus, however you want to call it. And I think really recovery, trying to get that back on the right track is the key. And loan interest rates is definitely part of that equation. You got to let people be able to borrow money and use and invest and, and, and have that commerce. So I think the interest rate, at least for the 21, is going to continue. But I think what will different for 2021 versus last year is I think more people are going to be more willing to be on the move. Um, right now we're in January for a lot of places. It's winter. Now it's nice and cozy and kind of hibernate and just wait. But I think once March comes around, when the weather, 60, 70 weather comes around or a lot of other places in, in the U.S., and then as soon as we see the COVID rates to be lower and you see that curve going down, I think whether it's false, you know, assumption that the, the rates are going down, I think, but I think we're definitely going to see that no matter what with all the precautions that we're all taking, as well as the measurements we're taking, the vaccine distribution. I think people are going to take that um, and run with it. So I think we're going to have a rebound in 2021 in terms of inventory. And, um, and I think only until that happens where the interest rate might change back to maybe three, three and a half percent 
back to what the normal would be before COVID. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so it's very obvious that you have a very strong passion for real estate, which I'm sure consumes a lot of your time. But what do you do when you're not handling a real estate transaction? What do you do for fun? Um, so the rest of my time, um, for folks at Arlo probably knows this, but I run a bubble tea shop here in uh, in the Kentlands in Gatorsburg. And so um, selfishly, I we started this back in 2018. And uh, because I was drinking so much bubble tea while showing houses and doing all that and an opportunity arise and we thought, why why don't I just open one up so I can have as much drinks as possible Mm -hmm. to myself. But also knowing that industry kind of gave me that exposure to the commercial space. And I think that also helped me with a lot of the commercial clients who are both residential and commercial clients. so it just, it's just one of those things that it's just, there were so many benefits, um, not to mention the blood sugar level um, <laughs> that I, I just had my physical that they said I need to cut back. And so I definitely have to do that. But um, that has kind of kept me sane during the COVID time to be in the service industry. Um, so we stayed open during the COVID. We, even during the shutdown, we have shortened hours, but we kept open. And so being able to see people, um, it's nice. So that also had helped me sing. And then being able to see people sometimes in real estate has kind of helped me as well. So I think having that side business um, that kind of really helps me along the way, I think that really helped out during this COVID time. Absolutely. What's the name of your business? I'm sure I've been in there a hundred of times and just didn't even know. <laughs> oh, uh, so we own the uh, Bobo Pop Tea Bar. Um, we're right across from uh, Yogi behind the Whole Foods, right in the Kenland. So if you're ever in the area, definitely uh, stop by and uh, come and see us. Yeah, I know exactly where you are. I'll have to check it out. Um, where do you see yourself in the next five years? What are your long-term goals? Well, hopefully... Um, once the COVID cases are done, I think a lot of my investors who are now hiding because right now is not the best time to invest are going to come out and really make a push for it. I think in the next five years, there's going to be a certain time in that five years where all the industry is going to skyrocket back, whether that is interstate or you know, international commerce and, you know, business investments. There's a lot of companies out there that are making a killing during the COVID time and they're just ready to invest and really time it right. And I think that's going to tie in right into the real estate business, whether that's residential or commercial. So I think just based on that, with the new opportunities on having new jobs, creation of new jobs, Amazon's supposed to open in... Northern Virginia. Um, I know there's a lot of other, you know, folks who are looking for ways to leverage, you know, remote working, but still have that physical presence that people want. So I think we're going to get a lot new companies, startup companies who are take who took advantage of COVID and then going to continue to work through that. Um, DoorDash is a good example where they thrive during this time and then they're going to open a corporate office and have different locations and hubs. Amazon obviously has been doing a lot of great work and that increased a lot of different jobs um, on that sector. And there are definitely a lot of them are high paying jobs. So for our 
for our demographic, for our, you know, for our market, there's a lot of potential for that. So I'm, what I see myself is really position myself correctly to make sure that when my clients are ready to invest, ready to buy a house or make a move, sell and buy, I just have to be in the forefront and make sure I have all the updated information. I can't wait for a news release for something to happen. I can't wait for, you know, things that already happened and then we're reacting to it. So really the next five years is going to be very, very exciting, very, very um, up and down, but we're in real estate. So that's the name of the game. And, you know, that's part of the things that why I lose my hair, but also <laughs> um, it's worth it at the same time. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And obviously with, you know, like you were saying, Amazon, all of these different people coming in, they're going to have to buy some real estate in the area and who should they contact? You. Of course, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I mean, not only being a pri Amazon Prime member, I feel like I'm, I'm their VIP, just like a lot of folks. If you go through a neighborhood, you don't see an Amazon package laying in the front. There's something going on. I yeah. can tell you, if you have a house that Amazon does not deliver to, that listing will be a very difficult sell. Yeah, especially for me. Hey, I feel like I've single-handedly <laughs> kept them in business during this pandemic. So Right. I mean, everything from even just toilet paper the other day, I was like, well, I could have waited in line because now they you know, have uh, that limit to a lot of this different um, department stores and grocery stores. Even toilet paper I'm getting from them, which I never really did that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why wait in line when you can get it delivered to your door the next day? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, not only that, I mean, right now you have so many different reasons to do that, but now it makes it it's and they're so competitive in terms of pricing. It's crazy that it's mm -hmm. basically the same price as you would in the store. So why would you waste your gas money and risk of exposure to get the same thing? you want. So I'm excited for the next five years. Um, I think a lot of people have really great ideas during this time. People have a lot of time in their hands to think about these great ideas on how to be rich or how to innovate, how to make things better. So I think a lot of those ideas with money behind it, I think we're going to see that and that's going to directly impact the real estate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, so tell everybody how they can reach you a good phone number, email, social media handles, things like that. So um, you, everybody can go to my website, samlinrealtor.com. It has all of my contact information on there, including my social media. Um, I put a lot of work in that website many, many years ago and continue throughout. Um, you can see a lot of the before and after pictures of renovations um, my clients and I have done, um, a lot of different other things that you've seen and maybe not know about myself. So any questions that you have, you're welcome to reach out to me. Absolutely. Well, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It was so nice, you know, getting to know your story, learning a little bit more about you. Um, and I hope that everybody listening can find this valuable. Of course. Thank you for having me. Be safe. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow ProTech Inspection Services on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn.